0: What's going on? Welcome to week six of the Coach Lou and Nice podcast. What's up, Coach?
1: Coach Lou, what's happening? Week six, ready to roll. You know, we've been grinding, Uh, you know, those Wednesday night late practices. But, hey, let's let's make it happen. Appreciate everybody out there that's been uh, giving feedback on the podcast. And uh, I hope that we can get more and more listeners. And I hope everybody likes what they hear. But uh, let's uh, look forward to it every Wednesday night. So um, I'm ready to go here, coach. I know there's going to be certain points that we're going to touch base on. We don't have to belabor them, but uh, there have been some crazy happenings in the, in, in the world of football in Southern Nevada uh, this week. And you know I'm sure we'll touch base with those. We'll get into a little bit of the top 10, of course, get our picks. And then I have a question uh, that I will um, try to answer from on my behalf, in my opinion, and uh, put out to Coach Lewis tonight. So, uh, that's uh, that's the direction we're heading for week six, Coach. So, um, what you say,
0: yeah, I mean, I think there were a couple, uh, you know, big moments last weekend. Uh, I think the biggest one, and uh, there's really two that are, that could be tied, but right. the biggest one in terms of uh, Vegas, I think, is Arborview beating DP. You know, they, they uh, went for the two-point conversion to make the score 22-21, love an aggressive call, and they beat Desert Pines, and they solidified themselves as the number three seed. And then the, uh, the second big outcome from last week was uh, Gorman giving up an 18-point lead with I think it was 80 seconds left on the clock, and, you know, they were up as high as seventh in the nation and, uh, you know, losing that game doesn't help their national championship goals, uh, at least not this year. And I don't know, it may even impact next year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I and I, I think that that's a good point that uh, of order. I mean, for local and looking at what happened, I think that. A lot of people would say that, oh, the biggest thing, the biggest situation, and of course it was because of the national coverage of ESPN with ESPN, ESPNU with Gorman, and you know, like, shoot, I actually, when I finally saw it, was it was actually on ESPN, and they were covering it nationally, uh, so yeah, that is definitely big time, but I think that you hit it on the head when it comes to DPR review for local, biggest uh I don't know I don't know if I want to say surprises but as far as news and like you said solidify themselves as as the number three uh, for now until the playoffs and and we see how it shakes out later on um, yeah the Gorman situation wow I mean I actually watched it three separate times 57 seconds 57 seconds they scored 18 points 57 seconds and that's just uh you know I know, that um, a lot of people have visited that situation. So, you know, I'm gonna not going to belabor it. It's uh, something, two onside kicks, a two-point play. Both you and I both had noticed, and uh, I, I watched it. Like I said, I watched the, that that last minute in nine seconds and how they scored in 57 seconds in the onside kicks. And I agree with you, Coach Lou, because I clearly, clearly, and I know there's no consolation and it means nothing, but uh, I clearly saw a hold on a defensive tackle on the defensive end from the left tackle on that two point play. Uh, sure, you back them up and they try again. And it, who knows if it changed the outcome or not. But coach, I mean, I know you saw that holding. I know we we never even had a conversation about that holding play. But I know that you had put it out on Twitter as well, that there was a, clearly a holding. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean it was it was uh, it was pretty obvious. you know it was absolutely a holding call. <laughs> the, oh. the, the, the kid basically mauled and tackled him. You yes. know and, nice. Uh, here, but here's the thing, you know anytime you play on the road, especially in another state, you are not going to get the favorable calls. And so no. at the end of the day, one play, I don't think one play made the difference in that game. No. It was the sequence of plays. so without a
1: doubt I I agree I mean like I said, you have to put it yourself in a position to win you can't leave no doubt you know it's like don't leave it to a decision like UFC where they say don't leave it up to the don't leave it up to the judges well don't leave it up to the referees so you know you know it's yeah like I said I think that that topic and that game has been discussed so much that I probably don't want to belabor it you know I think that um justifiably the Auburn view desert pines game wow what a game um what an outcome uh listen i think that both of those teams have a future in the playoffs and hey they might end up playing each other again (laughs) in the first round depending on how it shakes out um so you know more to come with those big, big, big games. I think the only other noteworthy thing which people have touched base on this week, which may be not so much of a shocker for you, and I think not so much for me either, but uh, was the Shadow Ridge and the Desert Oasis game and 70 points. And yeah, I fully understand it. We've talked about it. We've talked about where we stand with Desert Oasis and who they've played and how strong in their situation. Um, and we've talked about the system at at Shadow Ridge and what's going on and that they they could be difficult to stop with that offense at times. And so uh, 70 points, is it a lot? Is it surprising? But yeah, yeah, it's a little surprising, but it's a noteworthy game. And I think that that kind of jumps out on the page, uh, off the page with us as far as matchups also. So, uh, you know, those three games, I think, were the highlights of the week.
0: Yeah, I mean, anytime you put up 70 points, uh, the defense had some major issues, and we we talked about it. That Shadow Ridge's secondary looked a little susceptible to the pass, to giving up some passes on film, but we know that their box is good, and they brought they probably brought a lot of pressure, kept the – like Scott kid, the quarterback, on his toes, not able to get comfortable, and they did what they needed to do. I, I still have them, you know, at that number uh, – number six spot, I believe it was, that I had them at last week.
1: Yeah, you have uh, Shatterridge at the sixth spot. Yes, you do. Yeah, and and, and, and in an informal way of us visiting the top 10, uh, we'll touch base here on this podcast on who we feel. So uh, who we feel is one through 10, both Coach Lewis and myself. Um, You know, and in just touching base on number one. I mean, honestly, coach, I think in watching that game a few times, I mean, Gorman did some great things. They had, they had, they had some great individual performances. Uh, Yeah. It just got away away. So, you know, it just got away from them in the, with 57 seconds left, but the performance level of what they did and how much they were controlling the game. um, You know, I still have, I still have Gorman number one, you know, so I, I I don't know if you still stand on that, but I still feel that uh, Gorman is still going to be in Southern Nevada, the number one team ranked right now. So I stay with that.
0: Yeah, easy. Gorman still one. Liberty still two. And I think for me, uh, it was pretty obvious that Arborview three uh, and Desert Pines four.
1: Yeah, and we agree with the top four. I, mean, I know we made uh, you had made a tie last week for the number three, uh, and then we see the outcome because it's our podcast and we can. And listen, Arborview won the game. So at, at this point, right now, I'm with you. I have Arborview in the three spot, and I have Desert Pines in the four. So we both agree. Uh, one through four are the same teams. Um, touching base with, uh, if we're going to go to number five and number six, um, I mean, we, we differed a little bit in number five, you have Silverado. I had Palo Verde. um, uh, really hard for me to even argue with the fact of Silverado. I mean, Silverado handled their business this week. Um, big matchup was Coronado and, um, you know, I, 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 it's hard for me to argue the fact of where you have them. I'll be honest. Um, you know, I, I I think because Paolo got a win and uh, it pretty convincingly, uh, I know Silverado, you know, did. And so for me, I, I'm I'm just gonna stand pat because we can. I'm still gonna have Paolo in the five spot, and um, maybe, you know. I, like I said, I think that these games are settled in the field. We're coming into league and we'll, we'll find out. And from week to week, we can, we can move it uh, accordingly to what's deserving. And what, what, what do you think about, I, I mean, I know what you think. I know that your Silverado is going to probably a
0: pretty strong five, right coach? Oh yeah. I mean, if I look at the, if I look at my top 10, I really only have one change and everything else stays the same. So for me, Five, Silverado stays the same. Six, Shadow Ridge stays the same. Uh, seven, Palo and eight, eight, Green Valley. You know, those all stay the same for me. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, I still have Palo at five. I still have Green Valley at six. I still have Silverado at seven. That's not going to move. And, you know, I, as we've talked about, I talk about head up matchups, and I can't have a Shadow Ridge before a Silverado. So, Shadow Ridge is still my eight, you know, because by head up competition, Silverado beat them. Uh, I still look at matchups, coach, and maybe it rises some interest. It's like, okay, so what happens if a Green Valley plays a Shadow Ridge? What happens if a Palo Verde, which was supposed to play Shadow Ridge, would have happened? Uh, what if Silverado played Palo? What if Green Valley played Silverado? That's why I kind of try to think of these matchups. And I say to myself, well, I don't know at at, at this point, who do I make the favorite? Do I say they might be close games? Uh, who do I give the edge to? So I'm just going to stand by the top eight, uh, one through eight, just like you did are are pretty much the same. Um, I know that Coronado took another loss and now my number 10 was Faith Lutheran and they lost to a, a resurgent um Canyon Springs team which we've talked about we said that you know Canyon Springs the late bloomer, all the time what they do early is not indicative of of what they're going to do late so um you know for for the top, top 10 coach if you have any thoughts of your nine or 10 you know help me out because I know we're kind of doing this off the cuff uh what do you think you seeing anything or anybody break into the top 10 that wasn't there last week
0: yeah, for me, the team is Foothill. Uh, getting a chance to watch their film. They they played Liberty really tough. That was a 14-7 game in the third quarter. And uh, they took care of their business last week with a big win against Centennial. And um, I know Centennial's down and struggling this year. Uh, at the same time, you know, you see teams that, aren't really good and struggle with opponents that, that, you know, are down. And so they didn't do that. They went out and took care of business and uh, I I'm going to move foothill into the top 10,
1: you know, and that's a, That's the team I thought about, but as you say that, and as I thought about it, I have a question for you though. It's a hypothetical cause I know they're, they're not scheduled, but what, what would you think would happen if Coronado played foothill this year?
0: Uh, I think, I think Foothill would beat Coronado. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their defense is big and physical. They, uh, they play well, they play assignment defense. They don't line up in the wrong gaps. They, they get off of box, they make tackles. And I just think I, their defense was what was impressive to me.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to finish out my top ten because if you convince me, I mean, I think that justifiably at this time, and there's still some honorable mentions. Uh, my honorable mentions, I think D- Do falls off as an honorable mention. I think one of my honorable mentions is going to stay an honorable mention, and one of my honorable mentions is going to move to the ten spot, and it's going to go like this. I'm going to put Foothill as my nine, as my nine, and uh, by a loss with Faith Lutheran. And I know that they have a couple. Uh, I'm going to drop them out of the top 10. And I'm going to move Moapa Valley into the top 10. Nice. So that's, uh, that's my top 10 for you listeners that want to hear it. Uh, Coach Ice has it at Gorman, Liberty, DP, Arborview, top four. Palo, five. Green Valley, six. Silverado, seven. Shadow Ridge, eight. Foothill, nine. And Moapa Valley, 10. All right. Sir, So um, now touching base with that and any of the past performance, any, any other game that you want, might want to uh, uh, chime in on as far as happenings for week five coach. Um, I know, you know, some of the notables we talked about already. Um, we, we know uh, faith, faith Lutheran and Canyon Springs. We talked about that and very close game. Canyon Springs resurging. Beats Faith Lutheran. We talked about the Foothill Centennial game. We know what happened. Bishop, Corman, and Hamilton. Uh, Liberty and Legacy. It, it, it basically went down exactly how we, we predicted or thought it would. Um, neither one of us know whether the Bone game took place or not. Okay. <laughs> We're trying to find out. Um, we know what happened with Shadow Ridge and Desert Oasis. Um, the Cleet game. Uh, Chaparral won the Cleet, which was uh, first time in a while. Um, you know, Slam Western, Slam one, uh, we know what happened with Coronado Silverado. Durango had no problem with Cheyenne, as we predicted, uh, Mojave and Del Sol. Mojave had no problem with Del Sol, uh, Clark and Spring Valley. They, you know, Clark did a job, (laughs) um, Virgin Valley and Boulder City, Virgin Valley winner, Pahrump, Moapa, obviously Moapa, and Sunrise Mountain and Bonanza, and Bonanza got their first win, and so that was kind of a review of what happened last week. Uh, So that being said, before we move on to next week's games, um, I talked about it last week on the podcast that I wanted to throw out a question to you, Coach Lewis, that uh, you know once I once I start to mention it, you'll be like, aha. (laughs)
0: <laughs> 'Cause it actually
1: was something that we actually talked about. Um take us back to like Gorman Stadium and we we and we've actually talked about this a few times because you know you and I are definitely high school football fans <laughs> and we we've gone to many, 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 many games together, which I'm I listen, I, I love the fact that we are friends and partners in football like this and to go to these games and see every, all these games, I, I, you know, it's definitely a blessing and I appreciate you and I would always say that and I appreciate the friendship and the company and, you know, just everything as far as like what we do with football and we've had a lot of discussions and this is something that is something we talked about. It just behooves us. And the question I would say to you is this, and you've, You've questioned it also, is we talk about levels of play. We talk about high school football in the country. And we say, and we, and and this was something that came up when we were watching Modern Day and we were watching Liberty. And we I remember we said it, you said it to me, and we talked to each other about it. And we said, it's unbelievable how the levels of high school football teams from one team to the next can be so good. And so the question is this. What would you contribute or what would you say are the components or the variables to saving, say a team like Modern Day, or a team like Gorman or a team like um, St. Louis or just IMG, uh, Cal Poly, uh, Bosco? We could go on and on with these big cor- Centennial Corona year in, year out. Uh, let's not leave out the Florida team, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, Miami Central, you know, just we can just name so many programs. How or what makes them year in, year out just better? I mean, I think the last time that this question was rise was was came about was the fact that we were like Liberty's a damn good team. And look what modern day did to Liberty. And Liberty has a lot of talent and Liberty has a lot of athletes, just as many as them probably. So where's the separation? And so if you really want to cut to the chase of this question that I have to you so that we could throw it out there and discuss it a little bit is why the separation and where does it come from coach? What do you think?
0: I have a, I have a pretty uh, clear answer to this. So, you know you played college football. I played college football. And I know when I played college football, it was a full-time job. Matt drills at five or five: thirty a.m. Class from eight to one or two. Spring ball, you go to practice, and then you go from practice, you eat real quick, and then you go to study hall, and you're done about eight or nine o'clock, and then you do it all over again the next day. And uh, the obvious answer is talent, but I think the big, the bigger answer, the true answer, is the ability to control the program. When you're at a public school, you're at a public school. And vi- we all know that Nevada isn't the most supportive state when it comes to high school athletics. Um, they, I mean, look at what happened last year when every other state figured out how to play football. We didn't you know, except with the exception of whatever, three or four teams. And uh, no offense to anyone, but that's just the reality of the truth of the situation. And so when you're at a place like, you know, Gorman's a great example in modern day, you get a chance to coach football with your kids year round, you know, all year round, you're doing stuff, you get, you're able to use pads in the spring, you're able to, uh, you know, play by your own rules, basically. And when you're able to do those things, uh, you're able to get your kids prepared to a level that is really, really, really challenging at a public school. Not that it's impossible, because it is possible. There's public schools that are great. Liberty does a great job, but it's just a different level at those private schools and, and at some of these other programs around the country where it's literally a mini college preparatory program. And so, uh, that's where I think the biggest difference is, 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 just in that simple fact. I mean, if I had a chance to be with kids for, you know, 24 hours a week, uh, you, you know, you can get them a whole hell of a lot more prepared than you can in, you know, eight hours a week. And so I think that's one of the big differences.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, addressing one of the things you said, as far as public schools, and there are some anomalies, uh, I believe that say, for instance, here, I'd give you two right off the bat our own liberty in this state, and Valdosta in Georgia are public schools. Uh, How do they make it happen? Well, in some of the the things that I say, like you said, it's kind of clear. Because I always say, hey, listen, these are 16, 17, 18-year-old teenage boys that are playing each other, and they should be equal you would think in certain parts. Now I I understand that some kids uh, get held back and they do this and there's a lot of things that take place. So maybe, you know, there is a little bit of an unlevel playing field there, but for me, it's pretty, it's pretty clear cut. Also, you know, I had listed certain things. I say, first of all, why isn't it even, why isn't it level and and why is a team like modern day, you know, so one-sided against a team like Liberty or these things take place or IMG or these types of things, well, one thing I would say is reputation of a program, and and I'll tie that into something else. The reputation of a program helps the program to recruit because the success of the program recruits itself because there are top-notch players that want to play at that program because the reputation of that program, of what level they play, how many kids they have scholarships, and what. Where they are, and as far as nationally and all these types of things. So, I think reputation is a huge thing, and that go, goes, it kind of coincides, it goes hand in hand with the ability to get players or personnel to come in. So, second point would be personnel. I think that personnel absolutely does make a difference. Us as public school, high school football coaches, personnel kind of is dictated, like you had mentioned. Uh, because you get to, you have to coach what is in your zone or what comes to you. And you have to, you you know, you have to make the best of the situation and adapt to it. Uh, and I think so personnel is a key point for me, reputation, personnel. And I'm going to touch on something that I call depth chart and I've talked about this many times, I've had conversations with you, I've had conversations with many, many of my colleagues or people that are in our fraternity of football, and I truly believe this, and I I don't mean it to knock anybody who's coaching in these big programs, but I'm going to say depth chart, but I'm going to elaborate, if I could, on depth chart. Depth chart is this. If you're at a school that has I don't care, let's pick wide receiver, let's pick running back, let's pick quarterback. It doesn't matter the position, but it does because those positions are very important. If you have four running backs that are all division one recruited running backs, okay? And you're coaching a team that is kind of, the reputation is there, the personnel comes, the the four stars, the five stars, they come to that place and they're at that level and you as a coach get to coach those players. Well, I'm going to tell you that if you want to be a certain way as a coach and run a certain program and as a head coach for many years, I'm going to tell you that it has to be, and this is not a knock on people in these programs. I would love to have the opportunity to coach a team that is four deep in D1s in any position and in a lot of cases in multiple positions in six and seven D1 offers on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball in different positions. So what that does, and here's the point that I really want to make is that You tell that kid that you need it done a certain way and that he has to know his assignment. He has to know his alignment and he better do it to the best of his ability and he better be very effective at it. And if he's not, get out because I got a guy behind you that is waiting to take your spot that is also a D1 guy or also has that ability. And we've talked about this and I've talked to other coaches about it, how great, how valuable Can that be as a tool for you as a coach when if you're in a public school situation where, listen, you have to watch how you coach. and You have to watch what you do because you don't want to lose your best players. And in a situation where you get these national teams, you get these teams like IMG and these teams like modern day, you think that they can't coach their kids hard because I guarantee you they can. And not only that, but they will tell that kid, listen, you do it my way and you do it the way we do it. or you get the hell out of the way because we got somebody else is going to step in there and we're fine. And I know that you public school coaches that are out there that might be listening, you understand that because you know that you might have a squirrely wide receiver or a little bit of a running back that gets a little sideways from time to time. And you got to play dad. You got to play babysitter. You got to play mentor. You got to play all these things. And there's nothing wrong with that because that's the roles. That's the hats we wear coach. But if you could just say, Hey, you want to be a screw up? You want to handle your business? You want to do what you're supposed to do? There's the bench baby. Cause we got somebody else. And I think that that right there is one of the biggest things that puts teams to a different level. And then I agree with you with the, with the practice time and the expectation of the program and the regiment and the alignment assignment where it's like what I've found and what I've observed over the last, how many years, and we've been to many of those games and watched them is you take a team like modern day, which, you know, size wise and everything else like that. Yeah. Offensive line, Big size, good. I got, you know, they got dudes. But if you look at the specialty players, they don't look any different than the team that they were across the ball from in Liberty. The speed wasn't better in some situations. Liberty maybe even had better speed. But one thing that I would say in these programs is that not only do they get the personnel, but that personnel gets coached up to do it right. And if there's 11 men on the field, it's very rare that you see a team like IMG or you see a team like modern day, or one of those type of status teams that they don't have, they have 11 men on the field that do it right. And they do it hard. And they give it 100% effort all the time, or they would be out, they would be off. And therefore, when you don't have that situation, You have a team that you're playing that you got to beat 11 men all the time. And you know, as well as I know, in public school situations, sometimes you're hiding men. Sometimes you're trying to accentuate others. Sometimes you're trying to uh, stay away from certain situations. And I don't believe that on the top high level, they they don't have to hide anybody because the 11 men that line up on defense and offense are legit. They know their job. They know how to do it. And they do it 100%. And I'll just leave it at that, Coach.
0: Yeah, you're 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 right, Coach. One the one thing we always ask ourselves is, what would be we be able to do with that personnel? You know what I mean? And it's something that you know I'm sure coaches all around the the state, country, ask themselves. Oh, if I had modern days team, you know what what would I be able to do with that team? If you you almost, it's almost you know an embarrassment if you can't succeed with some of these, with some of these programs because of the abundance of talent and uh, you know, ability. So, you know, it's, it's an inter- interesting debate that, we'll, you know, some of us will never know, but we'll yeah. see. I
1: mean, in the support and the numbers and just everything. I mean,
0: a lot of these big
1: programs, you know, they got so many coaches, uh, coaching everything—they have coaches that are just setting up drills for other coaches. These are things; these are luxuries. These are beautiful things. And listen, I don't knock anybody that coaches these programs, and I don't say that these coaches aren't great coaches and they don't do a great job because I think they do. But the thing that I've always said was that they're not the only ones, and I'm not meaning that as a backhanded slap or anything else like that. But I mean, listen, I'm going to tell you, okay. I'll say from my own personal experience and I mean, you don't really have to say anything, but I understand who you are as a defensive coordinator. I know your ability. I know what you do. I know the time you put in. I know, I know who you are as a, as a coach. I know your expertise. I know your level. And I've said this to you, you could coach anywhere, anywhere and be successful. And I use you as an example because I think it's a great example is can AJ Lewis be the defensive coordinator at Modern Day? Can AJ Lewis be the defensive coordinator at IMG? Can AJ Lewis be the defensive coordinator at St. Louis or Valdosta? In my, and I want to say humble but expert opinion, 100%. And what would I believe? I would believe you'd be as successful as any defensive coordinator that they could put in those positions. And there's a lot of men that are out there that whatever our calling and our destiny was, and some of you guys out there are hearing this, whatever your calling and destiny was is what it is and you love it and it's your passion and that's what it is. But you men also could be in those situations and I know damn well you'd be successful also.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, coach. I agree, coach. I think, you know, <laughs> having having the right tools to be able to get the job done is such a, such a bonus, and uh, not every place has the right tools, and we have challenging situations sometimes where we make the most of it.
1: Hey, and, and, and you know, listen, we, we, the foundation of this podcast has been from a coach's standpoint, and so I stand by it, and, you know, I know you do too, is that, well, listen, we're bringing it from a coach's angle, from, like, truly experienced coaches' angle, and I hope that the coaches out there can appreciate it.
0: So you know,
1: that was my question, Coach. You any other uh, things in wrapping that up?
0: No, I think I think it was a great question. I'm I'm glad. Uh, you know, you, we asked it, and, or you asked it, and we we uh, got a chance to answer it organically. So it was good.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so everybody knows out there. We had I didn't even tell Coach Lewis what I was going to ask him until. What about ten minutes ago when I posted? <laughs> so and so, we really were organic in our answers, and you know, passion comes out, and we and it, you know, it is what it is, and I hope everybody can respect that and appreciate it. Um, okay, well, I guess at this time we can get over to week six. Um, if you if you have anything else before that, are you good with that, Coach?
0: Yeah, I'm good. Let's jump in.
1: All right. Well, Thursday night light game, as long as it's played tomorrow, which I haven't heard that it hasn't, that it isn't going to be played. The matchup is going to be Durango and Del Sol. And, you know, I'll just put it out there quickly. Um, uh, I know that across the town guys probably by now know that the JV games have been changed to Saturdays and I believe that's for uh, transportation reasons uh, they you could speculate a lot of reasons but at the end of the day I really think it's a busing situation for those of you who've been on these charter buses and everything else like that and the districts is paying for them and then all of a sudden the yellow buses are coming back I would pretty much guarantee unless you're at faith Lutheran or at Gorman that uh, expect that your JV is not going to be on a charter bus on Saturday morning. Uh, there'll be yellow buses and they're trying to make it work with the district. Um, and that's another topic because the district saved a lot of money last year and they have the money to spend. But hey, CCSD and it is what it is. But the Thursday night like game is Durango and Del Sol. Uh, we're into week six, previous performances. I remember every game Durango has played. I know what they did against Centennial. I know what they did against Shadow Ridge. I know all these things that have happened. Durango has been a pretty solid team. And as a matter of fact, I, and I was remiss in not mentioning it is that I still have Durango just outside my top 10 as an honorable mention. So in that being said, uh, Del Sol's performances, they, you know, Hey, listen, they're, they're, they're um, they're rebuilding or whatever the case might be. Is they're just trying to establish things. New coach trying to get things together. Rise up, and um, you know, Del Sol's in a Del Sol is in a division where you know. They have Durango, they have Clark, they have Basic, they have Las Vegas. And so I think they need to close the gap, and I think they understand that also. But at this point in this time, I don't think they're closing the gap on Durango. So I have Durango 38-7 to 7 on the Thursday Night Lights game.
0: I, I like that pick, Coach. Durango is, is a good team. Durango is going to make some noise in the playoffs, I believe. And Dale Sol is, is going to struggle tomorrow. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Durango. I think Durango is going to go off a little bit in this game. I'm going to say
1: 56-14. 56-14. All right. Well, moving to the next game that was just listed in no particular order. Uh, we're going to a 4A-5A crossover in a Henderson, Henderson rivalry game. Uh, the Basic Wolves, who we just played last week, and Green Valley Gators that we played two weeks prior to that. Um, uh, I know it's a Henderson battle. Uh, we are familiar. Uh, from a standpoint of coaches, we've done the film. We broke down the Green Valley game. We broke down the basic game. Both uh, our when we played them and their opponents. Um, Taking into account personnel, you know, coaching, Cahill does a great job. Doesn't really need to be said, but he does. Runs a great program. Uh, Brian Castro, great job. Runs a great program. Uh, bounced back after the Palo Verde close loss and have, have really represented themselves, uh, you know, doing a job against Coronado. And, um, I, you know, I look at this game and, and I think if anybody has an expert opinion on this situation, <laughs> truthfully, I mean, Coach Lewis, Coach Isola, well, uh, we played basic last week, and the game before that, we played Green Valley. Um, that being said, as mutual opponents and feeling what we felt as far as the competition, um, I got Green Valley thirty-five to ten, and I don't think Jeff. Cahill would be surprised in that prediction either. I had, uh, had the opportunity to speak to him the, uh, this weekend during our JV game and caught up with him and everything. and We talked about a lot of things and he knows what he's getting ready for as far as division, you know, and that, that 4A Mountain, basic Clark, Durango, and Las Vegas. I mean, come on. Clark undefeated. Durango is Durango. Uh, Las Vegas, it, kind of a little bit of a Unanswered question right now, but still Las Vegas is Las Vegas. It's a tight division, and he knows what he's looking towards. And I don't think he overlooks Green Valley because it's a Henderson matchup. But by the same token, I don't think that's where he really, really is worried at this point. And so,
0: yeah. Basic's going to come out, and they're going to battle. They're going to play hard. The reality is Green Valley is a tough team. Green Valley is a top-10 team. And Green Valley, I think is going to, you know, I think, I, I think Liberty's on it in a different class, but I think they're going to give DP some fits later in the year. Yeah. So they're, they're big, they're physical. They have a good, t- smart athletic quarterback. They have a good running back. They play sound defense. I think Green Valley is, is a tough team. They're a good yeah. football team. Coach Castro does a great job. Um, And I just, I, you know, I think basic can keep it close early, but green Valley pulls away. I see this one being uh, with, with the little, you know, the Henderson uh, component with it. I think green, I think, you know, basic fights hard, but I'm going to say, let's call it 41 to 14.
1: 41, 14. And I didn't give a score, but my score is 35 to 10. So we're kind of almost in the same ballpark, uh, you know, give or take four and five points here and there. So I have Green Valley 35, basic 10. All right. <laughs> Very interesting game. Next on the docket here, going down the list, is the Arborview Aggies at the Bishop Gorman Gales. And the profile as we opened up the podcast of talking about those two teams and uh, and the, uh, the attention drawn to those last week's games, well – those are in the rearview mirror. There might be some residual from it. A lot of confidence our review should have coming off a of DP. Gorman is a different beast. I just feel that they are. Uh, Gorman-Hamilton, the situation that took place, can't sit well for them. Cannot sit well. Um, I'm sure it's going to be some type of a hell week going down at Gorman this week in preparation or has been, seeing, being that it's Wednesday night. Um you know, I just look at the matchup and the way we've talked about Gorman and the rankings and the players. And like I said, even last week on ESPNU, and they had some serious good performances that all came for naught at the end of it all when this team won in 57 seconds but that didn't change who gorman is and that's not going to change who gorman, as gorman lines up at home against arborview and i don't care about chips or this or that gorman always has a chip when they play a local team because they believe that they're supposed to beat every local team and i don't think there's going to be anything different i think that they're going to really be sharp this week in their practice and in their intensity i think arborview i i don't i don't, Say hangovers at all, I think that beating desert pines gives our review more confidence, but talk about levels of programs here, and I think this is one of them. It's a level of program, and I just think that, like you had just said with the green Valley and basic and levels of programs, Gorman's on a different level, and therefore I have gorman thirty nine and our review fourteen
0: it's a it's it's one of those situations where you have Gorman just coming off of a big loss to a Hamilton team. And I know Arborview played Hamilton a couple of years back and lost that game, but they competed with them. You know, Hamilton is a good program. They're always tough. At the same time, this is this is an interesting year for Arborview. And I look at what happened week one when they played Liberty and had that. Big loss. I think it was 42 to 14 or something along those lines. But they also turned the ball over four or five times in that game. The biggest question in my mind in this game is how does Gorman respond to that loss? Because it can happen one of two ways. When I was in college, we used to have a strength coach who, uh, after we lost the game to a rival, uh he said they just stabbed a, a knife in your back and you got to decide what you're going to do are you going to pull it out or are you going to let every team that you play from this point on twist and turn that knife a little bit more and that is there's not many teams on the schedule that can do that to Gorman but I don't think a Hamilton team would go out and just blow the doors off of an Arborview team I really don't and I don't, I don't know how Gorman responds to this, but based on who I know and what I know, uh, I have to think that they're going to come out and not be happy about last week. Oh yeah. Um, so I think that Arborview is going to get a a plus effort from Gorman, and and it that's tough. That's tough. So I'll take Gorman in this game, thirty five to seven. Thirty five to seven. Okay.
1: Yeah, and and yeah it's pretty close and then uh just as a mentioned like I, we've aforementioned with the Gorman game, you know for uh 46 minutes and 50 seconds of that game, Gorman dominated Hamilton. so you know well we'll see yeah like I said, exciting game, very interesting game. I'll be very excited to see what the final score was after that game. All right uh moving along to the Coronado. Cougars will be playing at Bonanza. Now, I understand that Bonanza got their first win this year, and that's great. I also understand that Coronado has dropped two games in the last two weeks to a Green Valley team and to a Silverado team, which were definitely, definitely big, big games for them. And at the end of the day, instead of W's, they got L's, and they're searching. And we know that like they did a They annihilated Cimarron. Well, it's levels. Cimarron's not at that level. Uh, Well, I fall into the same. I should say this game falls into the same category. This point, I mean, no disrespect to Bonanza, but you're not at a level of Coronado. So when I look at this game, I say, is it closer to a Coronado, Silverado or Green Valley competition or is it closer to a Coronado-Cimarron game? And I say it's closer to a Cimarron game and the outcome of Cimarron was what it was. So I have Coronado 42 and Bonanza 7.
0: I know we heard that last week Coach Belitnikoff was a little fired up after the game. <laughs> so uh, I think that that intensity is going to get carried over and I just don't think it's going to be good for Bonanza. Um,
1: yeah. It could be ugly. Yeah.
0: This one I'm going to call 49 to three. 49 to three, 42 to
1: seven. Okay. Now a rivalry game um, for the desert shield is Cheyenne at Cimarron this week. Um, uh, we just had mentioned what was going on with Cimarron, Cimarron's program. I think, uh, you know, they're in a the building stage. They're, uh, you know, they're trying to figure it out when they play teams such as like a, a, a Green Valley and the levels here. This is a game where, you know, I think this level is pretty close, coach. I, I You know, I got to see film with Cheyenne. Um you know when they filled in on Thursday night lights last week against uh, the basic week, you know basic the on that Thursday night um, I did see that Cheyenne was able to run the ball against Basic for a little while uh, I think that there are some components of Cheyenne that will keep them in this game I really do uh, I, I I also believe that week six new coach things are things are starting to get a little bit more uh, well lubed and. You know, ironing out some kinks. So I think that you're going to see a better competition happening from Cheyenne. I know the Cimarron, they've, you know, listen, Coach Caney has been there and, uh, you know, they're going to, they're looking for that win too. This is a rivalry game. It is at Cimarron. Um, I mean, all the fields are beautiful. I don't know how much a home field advantage is. I will tell you this is Cimarron will probably have a really good crowd for this rivalry game. And Cheyenne will probably travel, but they won't have half the amount of people as Cimarron. I think the environment, take everything into consideration, the improvement of Cheyenne. Cimarron looking for a dub. I have this a close game and I have a 17 to 14 Cimarron.
0: Ooh, that! I think you have this much closer than I do. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I got a chance to see Simran. I got a chance to see uh, Cheyenne both on film. Cheyenne Cheyenne did some things against Basic. They they were able to run the ball a little bit. Um, they, you know, they did some decent. They did decent on defense. You know, obviously, uh, they gave up a lot of points against Basic. But I just think Simran is, is, is at a little bit of a different level today. Uh, I think Cheyenne is still trying to figure it out, and although they've they've been able to have some success running the ball, and um, I want to say their quarterback scored twice last week, if I remember correctly. But I just think Simran is, has a, has a and it has an edge, and I'm going to call it twenty eight to ten.
1: 20, 10. Well, we both got Cimarron. I just, for some reason, I just think that Cheyenne might, with the rivalry and everything put together. So that's why they play him. And that's why we pick him. And then we see where we land. Okay. Next uh, matchup is Centennial at Desert Pines. Whew. Well, <laughs> talk about things, Desert Pines, and what took place with Arborview. And, you know, we have discussed that in length. Um seen a lot of film on Centennial coach. I continue to stand by the fact that, you know, Hey, I think they do a great job over there. I know Dustin's in a situation right now where, you know, they are definitely young and they are building. That's a fact. It is what it is. I feel that, uh, Coach coach would agree, you know, and this is just not a good matchup for Centennial in, in, in 2021. Uh, just not, I, I think that I, I, I believe that DP, honestly, I think that DP is going to have a little bit of a, a little bit of a hangover in a sense because I think they're distracted. I don't know what kind of week they're going to have. I don't know what the case might. I believe that there'll be a slight hangover with DP going into the Centennial game. This is a, a battle that is they've taken place forever. I mean, listen, I'll go back to dated history when I opened up Desert Pines in 1999. It was the same year that Foothill and Centennial opened, and I remember. Phew, going up and coaching and being in the booth calling the place for Desert Pines um, when neither school had seniors and I'm up in the booth up at Centennial and there was literally nothing but desert around me and such a view of the strip and New York guy over here and going wow I haven't even been in Las Vegas for a year and I'm like holy cow man I'm not in Kansas anymore or Long Island for that matter and uh, listen DP has been playing Centennial for a lot of years they're familiar with each other. I mean, let's go back to the fact that DP coach, who I coach with, Leon Evans was the head coach at, at DP and at Centennial. But I just say 2021, this matchup right now, it's, it's, it's just not a good matchup for Centennial. I think there's going to be a little fog or a little haze with DP, you know, ironing some things out in the beginning. And then they're going to hit this stride. And then later on, I, I would think that they'll just take over uh,
0: 42 to 6 Desert Pines. 42 to six. All right. Yeah. I don't want to keep hammering at home, but we've said it a million times Centennial is young and they're working on trying to figure it out, but this is not the game that they get it figured out deep. I think DP comes out pissed off hungry and ready to score a lot of points. Um, I can see this one getting a little bit out of hand. I'm going to go ahead and pick. DP, 56 to 7. 56 to 7. Okay.
1: Yeah, they got a kicker, so if they score a touchdown, they'll get that extra point. I was counting on two field goals. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, going to going to the next matchup. This is an interesting one, Coach. I think it's a little thought evoking here. Um, haven't seen any film on Clark. Know what Clark is doing. I just have to go based off of the fact of their performance. I know levels of competition, who they've played and what's going on at the end of the day. I don't care who you play. If you win all your games, you won all your games. All you could do is beat the people that they put in front of you. So that being said, they're playing Las Vegas this week. And I've said Las Vegas, Las Vegas is a puzzle this, this year. They're, they're, they're anomaly in certain sorts because can't figure them out. Just can't figure out what's going on. I mean, I know they scored a lot of points against Chaparral, but then they scored no points against Legacy. But Legacy didn't score any points either. But a punt return, uh, it, it, it's just it, to me, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's a very unusual game. And you know, all the respect in the world to the coaches. You know, we talk about Cap and the job he does. And I don't know what's going on this year as far as that roller coaster ride that they're on this year. I have to give respect to Clark, and, and I think at the end of the day, this is why I pick who I, who I picked is because all you can do is play the teams that you lined up in front of you, and if you won them all, then you did a heck of a job. I think so far, Clark has been a big surprise in this town this year, and, man, I look forward to seeing what's going to happen in that division, that aforementioned basic Clark-Durango-Las Vegas, okay? And so this is a Clark-Las Vegas division matchup, and because they've beaten everybody that's put in front of them, I'm going to say that this game is going to be really close, and Clark's going to win 24 to 21.
0: Man, coach, you 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 are taking my picks now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in I, in the last six seven years, there would not have been a year where I, where I would have picked Clark over Vegas. Not I at, am
1: with you, one thousand percent.
0: Yeah, not at all. Um, however, this year the key, the key that I see is Vegas inconsistency and where they really shined in week one. They haven't since then. And Clark has been blowing the doors off of people. And I think that Clark, you know, we've heard from coaches that we know and trust that Clark is legit. Clark has some dudes. Clark is, is, uh, well coached they're, they're they're doing things to put their kids in a position to make plays and as much as i harp on vegas's toughness based on how their schedule and season has worked out thus far i think they have some gaps i think they have holes and i think clark will expose those so i'm going to take clark in this game 35 21 five to
1: 21 all right. Well, you can't say that. Keep on stealing your picks. So you know what I'll do is for the next uh, for the next few, I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> okay. and, and then I'll give my score. Next game I have on the docket is Canyon Springs at Legacy. Legacy Longhorns. Which we have no familiarity with. <laughs> <laughs> so the floor is yours. What do you think of the Canyon Springs Legacy
0: matchup? This is a matchup that can be good there's a there's a couple variables in play here so the first one is canyon springs coming off of an emotional uh win last week you know with coach mcnair and the funeral for his son and them going out and beating faith lutheran in overtime by one point um you know that's it's hard to it's after a really emotional experience it's hard to replay that, to play the next game at that same level of intensity and focus. Um, at the same time, I look at a legacy team that is very experienced as, as, as experienced as any COVID team could be on the defensive side, has a lot of guys that have varsity experience or at least have uh, you know been in the program for a long time. Um, with all the, all the factors, everything that we could take a look at, what it comes down to me is Canyon Springs in, in the newspaper the last week, coach McNair, when he was talking about his team, he said that we have 54 guys on the varsity roster. We finally got our guys back. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching Canyon Springs against our JV and freshmen. We were at Legacy a couple years back and saying, wow, these kids, the, this program is loaded, loaded, capital L-O-A-D-E-D. They're loaded. And uh, Legacy, we've seen they have some kids that are linebackers playing offensive line, and they're trying to figure it out. They got some skilled kids that are, that are talented and some talented linebackers and a good D-line. But they're definitely trying to figure it out on the offensive side. And I think those struggles continue. So I'm going to pick Canyon 17 to 7.
1: 17 to 7. okay. And and you make some great points here. And I mean, you're stealing my pick, but not my pick. Uh, I I mean, I have my reasons as far as what, what, you know, you mentioned some of them. Uh, I, the resurgence of Canyon spring and who they played in the, and what you've mentioned as far as the, what the experience we've had when they are fully, when they are full, fully teamed up and they know what they have. I would say that another point that I'll make coach is that this is league. This is league. The league starts and it starts with Canyon spring and legacy in the same league. So therefore that's something that you have to give some credence to as far as some merit. All right. Um, I would also say something that you've touched base with linebackers playing and out of positions and doing things like that. I've seen film on both of these teams. I counted that there was 13 or 14 players that play both ways on legacy. That's attrition. You're talking about 54 athletes on Canyon Springs and how, and, and we know if anybody knows the athletes and what Canyon Springs brings to the table. And so I take that into consideration. I say, well, Canyon Springs ain't trying to slip on, on legacy, especially in league. Canyon Springs is, has all they they they're you know full uh, full battleship now they got their, all their men like coach Mcmare had mentioned uh Legacy is playing 13 14 guys both ways I, I i don't think it's a hard pick at this point taking all those things into consideration uh Legacy still hasn't done anything offensively that is you know that it, they just haven't uh i think when the athletes get on to Canyon Springs defensively I think it's going to be tough for Legacy to score. And I think that I, I give Legacy's tough defense. They're doing some, some really good things. But I think Canyon Springs, being who they are and what they are, and they're used to playing Legacy, uh, they're going to score some points. So I have a little bit more coach, almost the same situation. But uh, I have Canyon Springs 28, and I have Legacy 6. And I say 6 because I say Legacy scores, but they don't have a kicker. So tw- 28 to 6. Okay. All right. Now let you go first on the next one. Might might be quick, maybe not, but faith Lutheran
0: at Liberty. I'll I'll be quick. This game is going to be ugly for faith. Although watching Liberty twice this year, watching them against Modern Day, and then also watching their film against Foothill, Liberty is not as dominant as I've seen them in the past, especially not offensively. And they kind of run their whole offense through Jeremy Bernard, who's obviously a stud going to UW. Right. But I think this Liberty team has some deficits in some areas that will, that may or may not come out later in the season. But uh, I'm going to pick Liberty in this one pretty, pretty easily 35 to nothing.
1: 35 nothing, Liberty. Yeah, I'll say it quickly. I look at the, the, what we, what, what do we know? Well, Coach Lewis and I, we sat there in the stands and we watched the scrimmage and Faith Lutheran played Desert Pines and Gorman and struggled. What do we know? Okay. Well, Liberty is ranked number two. Okay. Desert Pines was formerly three and Gorman is one and we watched them struggle. Okay. So that's what we do know. Okay. We also know that take the other team, Arborview and they played each other, and what was the outcome of that? So, at the end of the day, I, I i mean, I see it the same way as you do because of what we already know. I will say that uh, because Foothill has scored on Liberty and there's some teams that have scored on on Liberty, I think the Faith will figure it out, but I only have them figuring it out for a touchdown and a field goal, and I got Liberty at 42. So, I got Liberty 42, Faith 10. Okay. All right. Um, next up on the docket, uh, probably don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because we know we don't do a prediction on it, but we'll touch base with Foothill and Palo Verde and talk about the matchup a little bit. Um, you go first, Foothill versus Palo at Palo.
0: So watching film on Foothill, I was most impressed with how their defense played against Liberty's offense. That's what I was most impressed with. They have a, a good back, a decent back, um, you know, who runs hard. And, and he's an athletic, shifty kid. We, I think the, I might be a little biased because we were at Legacy for all those years. And we had guys like uh, Aubrey Washington and Sam Turner and uh, Tiger Geeslin, And we played against guys like uh, uh, Bubba from Arborview and uh, Smith from Centennial. So I'm used to seeing some backs that are – and Martin Blake from Aubrey Nellums. Yeah, Aubrey Nellums, and, you know, the list goes on and on. Oh, yeah,
1: we've seen backs, and we had backs. Yeah, so,
0: you know, uh, when it comes to running backs, I might be a little uh, biased, you know, but the kid is good. They have a good back. And uh, I think the biggest differentiator in this game – Full transparency is how our offensive line holds up against their defensive line and and linebackers because they are big and they are physical and that is going to determine who wins this game. Yeah,
1: and I agree with you. It's in the trenches with this one. It's the big boys. Uh, I think that, uh, Palo Verde, you know, if, if they're, if they're doing it right and they're handling their business and they're doing their assignments and everything is on, then it's going to give themselves a really good chance against this foothill team. I've also through film study and everything. I like the back. I think he's a really good athlete. I think he's a problem. I think he'll, I think he'll, he'll chunk you if you, if you get him in space, he's a good size kid. He's an athletic kid, uh, top end speed. I don't know if he's super fast, but fast enough to take it to the house, um, I think that's going to be a key to the game is stopping number one. That's the, that's the number he wears. Uh, you know, I think that if you can limit him, if you can shut him down, uh, it's going to bode well for Palo Verde. Uh, and I do agree that in, in the interior, they're tough in the interior there. We saw them up in camp. We know what they have interior wise. They have some big boys. They play physical. Yes, they do. Uh, I would say in Palo Verde, on Palo Verde's side, not even in the defenses, that Palo Verde, we have some good size. We have some good size. We have very, very young line, but they're maturing as the season goes on. And if they, if they mature progressively and they're in the right place for this league game, it's going to be a heck of a matchup. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, again, feel that if I was going to predict uh, a win, it's going to be a wild animal. So um that's where we're at with the with the palo verde falcons and the and i mean the palo verde panthers and the foothill falcons
0: yeah speaking of good backs i forgot to mention uh ramondre stevenson you know who i i i picked up in fantasy you know he's on the patriots so we've seen some really good backs over the years let's just, oh my God. let's just say it like that that way not even going back to your days at dp with uh uh your guy uh what was his name um Number 27th.
1: Oh, 20. Oh, we're talking about Cornell Johnson,
0: Jackson yeah.
1: Jackson, who I coached against. <laughs> yeah. I coached against Stephen Jackson, I met him twice. And, you know, we held him to 54 yards in the, in the in the regular season game It was the lowest total he had in his high school career. And then he then we played him in the playoffs, second round of the playoffs over at El Dorado. And he had 44 touches and ended up with 300 and something total <laughs> yards and, and made it personal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stephen Jackson.
0: Up- <laughs> Didn't even bring up Demarco Murray, you know. I was
1: gonna say, and what about Demarco? And you, you know, I believe you on the field for that one. And man, so yeah, we know backs. I mean, we 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 definitely we definitely know backs. So when you get into categories, listen, I go back to the uh to the Ford and Cornell Johnson. Ford was playing for Foothill, and uh, uh, I mean, and then D'Angelo and uh that played at Foothill, and and what about uh Tyree over at Mojave?
0: Oh yeah, Walker. I mean,
1: Oh, man, it goes on and on. That oh, my God, they're backs. Yeah, we, we, we definitely know backs. So anyway, uh, memory lane there. Let's go down to the next matchup. I'll let you pick first Spring Valley at Mojave.
0: This this is a tough game to pick because. Spring Valley, they've had some games where they've played really tough. Um, you know, they had their 25 nothing win a couple weeks ago, but the last few weeks they've struggled and they just lost what was it, 28 nothing? Yes. Yeah, and Mojave is uh is doing well this year. Mojave has been balling, they've yeah. been playing really well. Um, I think they've gotten more wins in this year than they've gotten the last couple years combined, since ever since uh Tawi graduated that year they went to state right and I think this can be a battle I really do I think this game can be a battle um I don't even know who to pick I mean I think it's a <laughs> that's I where I really was a tough game um I think if this game at the end of the day if this game comes down to coaching and critical calls in key situations. Um, I'm going to give the edge to spring Valley. So I'm going to take them 14 to 10.
1: 14 to 10. And we almost hit it right on the head. And so I am not going to, I mean, I'm not going to break down the game. I haven't seen really these two teams and film anything. Uh, I, I'm just going to say everything that coach Lewis said, I agree with uh, it. Except for the tail end, because of my pick, because I agree, coaching and whatnot, just for some reason, because of the way things are rolling the way they are, I agree that it's going to be a really close contest. But I'm going the other way, and I'm going to pick Mojave, but I'm going to pick Mojave 14 to 13. I'm just trying to look into a crystal ball, and I'm saying it should have went into overtime, but somewhere along the line in the two scores, Spring Valley missed an extra point and ended up coming back to bite them. So I'm going to say 14 to 13. So just like you said, I had a hard time picking a winner. So just not because we don't love those guys over Spring Valley, but I just was like, okay, this is what's coming to me at this point. 14-13 Mojave. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so next matchup uh taking place in the Bermuda Triangle is uh <laughs> Moapa Valley at Rancho, which we can't figure out whether Rancho's playing anymore or what's happening. But if the game was to take place, uh, Moapa Valley at Rancho, I don't think whether you go first or I go first, I know we're going to be on the same side of this one, Coach. Um, I mean, I put Moapa Valley in my top 10 this week. Uh, so I pretty much feel pretty confident in the fact that Moapa is going to handle it. business here. I know it's a trip to Rancho make a little bit of a difference. It really does Rancho. I actually would change the score. If Rancho was playing Moapa at Moapa, I would probably give Moapa 14 more points in this game, but they're playing at Rancho uh, Brent Lewis. Yo, how always has the team ready. He's coming in uh, league and um, Leon Evans. I know he's trying to get ready. He says he has some size on the line. Uh, struggled against some teams uh, already. Slam did a good job against them. That being said, Slam beat Rancho pretty easily, and I don't think there's any way that Slam's beating Moapa, so I'm picking Moapa. Uh, I'm not going on a blowout, like I said. If if they were in Moapa, then I'd have 14 more points, and it would be 49 to seven. But because they're at Rancho, I got it 35 to seven Moapa.
0: I think Rancho is going to come out, and they're they're going to be able to give some fits, a, a, a some fits. Let me let me make sure the keyword is some. I think that they have some athletic kids who are going to be able to make plays in space. They got Vince back if he's playing, who will be able to get the ball out to some of those kids. Moapa um, is is a different beast. You know, they're looking to win a state title, and they're competing at a very high level. Um. Just from all of the 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 things that I know about Moapa's program and you know who they are and how they how they approach every game, I'm going to take Moapa. Um. Twenty-eight to twenty-eight to seven. Twenty-eight to seven.
1: Okay, I got them twenty-eight. You got twenty-eight seven. I got thirty-five seven. All right, next game on the docket. Uh, familiarities was supposed to have played both teams, only played one. Definitely seen film. Shadow Ridge at Sierra Vista, which we visited Sierra Vista as well with the Panthers. Um, you know, because we've had history with these teams. And when I say history, I mean recent history, as in we were supposed to play both of them. We did play Sierra Vista. We saw Sierra Vista versus Las Vegas. We saw the film. We played them ourselves, looked at a lot of film with Shadow Ridge, um, you know, without stretching out. Okay. So what about this? What about that? Talking about secondaries, talking about personnel, everything, all the things that we've aforementioned in, in uh podcast previous I'm just going to get right into the meat of it. Um, listen, 70 points, Desert Way is this beautiful thing. I don't think that I don't think that's happening against a, a, a Sierra Vista. Doesn't mean they're not going to score. And I, I mean, this is actually one of the games that I, I, it, the score came to me really quick, and I feel really good about it. I almost say that, like, I'm like, you know what? If I was to put a little side bet on the fact of how close I came, I like the score that I pick here. I like Shadow Ridge for 45 points. And I like Sierra Vista for 17. And that's, <laughs> that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. 45 okay. to 17.
0: I like it. I like it. Shadow Ridge, I don't think Shadow Ridge is going to slow down until they see uh, Silverado again in the playoffs. Right. I really don't. I think that Shadow Ridge is getting better week after week. I know they had a couple games or a game that their quarterback wasn't able to play and their defense is performing at a high level and coming off of a 70-point uh, performance, they're not going to slow down. And we played Vista, and the one thing about Vista is they are not deep. And when you start getting later into that game, that uh, you know, kid that was in the right position to – stop the triple option, you know, the kid that's supposed to have the pitch man that's able to be, you know, start off by making a wrong read but recover. Now he's tired, he's a step behind, and that kid's going to go for six. So I think uh, Shadow Ridge really pulls away late. It starts to get ugly. Uh, I don't want to my, – my original score I was going to say was 42 to seven, but I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and call it 42, uh, 49 to six.
1: 49 to 6. All right, 49 to 6. All right, and just uh, worth mentioning there, this is a league game for uh, Shadow Ridge. Their first league game will be Shadow Ridge and Sierra Vista. And, you know, the other teams that we'll, we'll discuss down the line is, um, you know, Coronado's a team in that division that will probably be an interesting matchup for Shadow Ridge down the line. Uh, Spring Valley is also in that division, so is Bonanza. And so is Mojave. So some interesting matchups in that division right there uh, coming, coming in the near future. Uh, going to the next game, we have Desert Oasis just coming off the Shadow Ridge game where they gave up 70 against um, Sunrise Mountain at Sunrise Mountain. Um, Desert Oasis talked about the quarterback, talked about the ability to do certain things which did not show up at Shadow Ridge. Uh, But listen, I think that's more to have to do with what Shadow Ridge is showing up with than what Jefferson Oasis is. If we look at the caliber of teams of Sunrise Mountain compared to a Shadow Ridge, I think everybody would agree that that's just not at the same level at this point. Um, And that being said, I think that this is a good week for Desert Oasis to get healthy. I also know that... um, Sunrise Mountain is in their division, so they go. Okay, guys, hey, all that stuff was preseason games. Now we're in. Now we're in league. This is our first league. Let's go out there. Time to get healthy. Time to score points. And uh, I think Desert Oasis is going to score some points against Sunrise Mountain. I have Desert Oasis forty-two, Sunrise Mountain twelve.
0: Yeah, I think this one gets ugly for Sunrise. Do coming off that loss is is going to want to get back into the win column. And that's what they're going to do this week. I got them 38 to three. 38 to
1: three, a differential of 35 points. And I have a differential of 30. Okay. We're all right. All right. Uh, next matchup, we go down to the 3A and a tough matchup. These guys history for as long as three A's been around. Um, Pahrump at Boulder city definitely, definitely a trip. Um, listen, there's been common opponents. There's been, what did Virgin Valley do against this team? What did this team do against that team? There's been a lot of common opponents. We know down the line, uh, what's happening as far as, uh, Moapa Valley and, and, you know, what took place with Virgin Valley and, and, um, and Boulder city last week and Virgin Valley got the win and, you know, and Pahrump and Mo- and Moapa beating Pahrump. And, you know, so when I say we put all those four, those three A-teams together and you mix it up and you see who's on top, well, we know we like Moapa on top to beat all three of the other ones. The other ones battle back and forth. I think Chris does a great job at Boulder City. He's going to be ready for them. Um, and I-, I think at Boulder City, after a loss, uh, Pahrump – traveling, you know, giving edge to prompt when you're in Perump because of that home cooking. Um but end of the day I see it as a, a close game. I really think it's going to be exciting for quite a while. And it's not like a real big pull away, but I'm feeling I'm feeling Boulder City in this victory at home here 27 to 17. So you know there's some scoring, not a lot. There's some good defense being played. Ten point victory for Boulder City is where I see it, coach.
0: Okay, Okay. I'm I'm actually on the other side of the fence in this one. Um, Both teams are tough, you know. Boulder City, obviously, tough loss last week. Same thing for Perump. Perump actually hasn't had a whole lot of time to get on the field this year. Um, They've only played what two games this year? Yeah, yeah. Uh, But I think they're going to travel over. I think that. I don't think travel affects those kids as much as we may think because they're used to traveling all over the place to play their games. Always in the 3A. Yeah, in the 3A and year after year. So I I think uh, they're going to go out and they're going to get it done 17 to 14.
1: Oh, 17 to 14 per rump.
0: Very good. All
1: right. All right, uh, where am I now? Okay, so now this game becomes a, a, a semi-interesting game as well. Um, we have Slam Academy at Virgin Valley. Now, we oh, just mentioned about the performance of Virgin Valley with Pahrump and getting a victory there. So, you know, they're they're moving in the right direction, building up to that matchup against Wapa Valley, which is a big rival for them, and obviously the 3A, big, big matchup. Um slam has done some things. Uh, we talk about slam against Rancho scored, I believe 35 points or something like that. Did a good job. Um, uh, hard game for me to pick, uh, just kind of went off of a feeling for some reason. I was just like, okay, so Virgin Valley, and let's look at what boss, what, what Boulder city has done and what, you know, I put them all together and, and, you know, and I haven't seen any film of these teams coach. So I can't, go off of any base knowledge of, hey, I've seen that this guy, this team has a great defensive line or they have some wide outs or they have a quarterback or anything else like that. All we have to go off of is, uh, and, and we've mentioned this before, we would love to be able to go to say the review journal and check the numbers and see the touches and see the attempts and see these t- the tackles and and really put some research into these things. And we hope next year that we'll be able to do that. Um, so just taking off wins and losses and performances I'm gonna give Virgin Valley the edge and I'm gonna go Virgin Valley 28 and Slam Academy 17 28 17.
0: I, I think you have this game a little closer than I have it. I think Virgin Valley is gonna give Moapa some fits later in the year when we get to that game. Um, Slam is you know started the year pretty well, but I just think virgin at home they're gonna the, the, they got the home crowd support all the good things that are in their back seat. And I think they run with it. I think it's going to be a 35 to, uh, 35, 17 game.
1: All right. So I got 17 and you got 17. You just got coach. You got one more score than me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, last game on the list for week six, coach Western at Valley. We're talking about old school nostalgia. Let's go talk about the Western Warriors and the Valley Vikings. Give them the horns, right, Andy? Give them the horns. Um, to those of you who don't know, Andy Asalazzo went to Valley High School. So, so did Preston Garoff and a lot of these guys. But uh, um, Western at Valley, nice matchup. A million years later with the programs, uh, both of them 3A programs. Uh, First time they're meeting each other in a 3A level. And, uh, you know, hey, Valley in red, Western in red. Yeah, that's a lot of red, coach. You say, yeah, I can't
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: a lot of red. I might not be able to talk anymore. But, um, you know, two programs looking to do some things. This is going to be an exciting game for them. Oh, if you do recall, El Dorado got one against Western uh Eldorado struggled with other opponents uh you know don't know a lot of what's happening v- Valley got their victory their first victory I forget who it was if you if you remember you can mention it who they got theirs against and uh you know I just think that it's at Valley I think that I think uh, Quincy Coach Burt he's he's Going to have his team ready for the Western Warriors. I think it's going to be a nice game. I think it's going to be a good high school football game for both fans. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. I got the Valley Vikings with the victory. 28-14 um, to 14 over Western.
0: Yeah, I have Valley as well, Coach. Um, not going to do a huge, long analysis in this one, but I just think Valley is the better team and the better program at this point. I'm going to go ahead and take them. I don't know how much they're going to score. I'm going to take them 21 to nothing.
1: Valley 21 to nothing over Western. Okay. Well, I think that's all the matchups for this week. And we've, uh, we've hit them all. Touch uh, based to with the uh, top tens coach. We've uh, talked about the, the exciting matchups and the, in the, and the, big things that happened last week. And we can always hope the only hope that in the future that we have more exciting things taking place in Southern Nevada football here, Um, you know, and I think that's going to wrap it up for us. I'll let you close, but as always, I always want to say that it has absolutely been an honor and a pleasure to work with you, coach Lewis. I uh, thank everyone for tuning in and listening to us. Hopefully the numbers grow every week. Uh, to the Coach Lou and I show, and I would like everybody to stay blessed and stay safe.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate everyone for listening. Good episode again, Coach, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.